Alex tomorrow. Thankfully, we are not together today because another major studio that makes beloved games has closed. <laughs> no, you're right. That that would have been really unfortunate if we had to do that twice in one week. I feel like that's one of those things I'd like to keep to hardly ever, let alone you know on a regular basis. So let's let's hope that sort of thing doesn't doesn't come to pass again in the near future. Yeah, uh, for for folks who maybe didn't watch, you know, Alex and I. Uh, jumped on and did something uh, similar to our morning shows earlier this week where we uh, tried to get our gut feelings out about Irrational. There's a video up on the site. Uh, and I think in the future, uh, if we if we do those, which will be hopefully very rarely uh, uh, because it, it, it's mostly going to be about news that is of a magnitude that's like, holy shit, like, I need to talk about this with someone right now, which you know, right. just doesn't happen all that often. Um but we'll probably put out the audio version on uh, the on the um, on the bomb of the AM feed. Um, so uh, there were a bunch of people that requested that, and that is something that's easy to accommodate. So we will do that uh, in the future. Um, yeah, hopefully for better news. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, there's a the remaking Final Fantasy VII. I don't know. Is that better news? Is that? I don't, I don't think. I'm not even sure that is news, really. <laughs> if that happened, really at all. Uh, any follow-up thoughts on Irrational since we, we talked earlier this week? Or, or mostly are you kind of still at where, you, where you're at because there really hasn't been a whole lot of news? Um, yeah, since. I mean, very little has developed out of that story since, you know, it came to pass. Uh, Ken Levine has been on Twitter a lot uh, promoting the sort of job day stuff going on in Irrational, uh, listing off a, a, actually a fairly impressive list of different uh, developers and companies that all want to interview people that work at Irrational. So at the very least, I'll say this much, they are they do seem like they are going to at least good lengths to uh try and find those people jobs so that is that is at least a positive thing out of all of this bullshit uh but yeah beyond that nothing really seems to have changed all that much and uh that's not surprising because it's not like people are you know people have ndas people have contracts they've signed that they can't just go out there and start talking a bunch of shit so at some point i imagine someone with an anonymous ah, anonymous axe to grind will probably say something somewhere but uh I don't think we're ever going to get anyone going super on record about any of that stuff. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it's 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 early days uh, for, uh, you know, I'm looking into it a little bit. I uh, don't really have anything to, to say on that subject. I'm sure other reporters are looking into it as well. Yep. Um, and, you know, that, that stuff takes time um, and, yeah. and, and heads need to cool and stories need to be cross-checked to make sure that, uh, you know, th- th- I got into some discussions with some developers um this week in which uh, so there was a, a piece that went up on Gamma Sutra by Lee Alexander in which she uh, wrote you know, very honestly about some of the struggles that occur uh, really I think at the heart of entertainment journalism uh, yep. in terms of you hear idle gossip and you know, like you know central to her point was she had heard there were a lot of troubles at Irrational Games a year ago what good would it have done to report that like does the player um, are they better informed as a consumer as a result of knowing that Take Two has concerns about the budget process uh, at Irrational and what uh, Bioshock Infinite needs to sell, does it help the developers who are in that process? And she mostly just kind of talked through, uh, you know, what you hear uh, and then what you do with that information. Um, that that really is, you know, sort of the existential crisis of like entertainment journalism is like. What is this all for? Is this useful to anyone? Um, right. And it's it's a worthwhile editorial. Uh, you know, there's already been some facts disputed in that. I think she goes out of her way to at least say that um, 
you know, she's not claiming this is an official report on the state of Irrational and more just here's idle gossip I've heard and here's the way I usually hear it. And it's kind of weird that this is how this job kind of works. Um, like one of the facts that she or one of the, the points that she made was that she had heard that uh, a lot of the content in Burial at Sea was uh, axed content from Bioshock Infinite. Uh, and mm. uh, that was disputed uh, by uh, Sean Elliott and other developers uh, as well uh, that worked on that game. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, you know, who's right and balancing all that stuff out. It's it's early days and, you know, kind of sifting through those sands. But uh, stuff like that has given me something to think about as I start poking around at, uh, you know, folks that might have might have been involved with this story. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that that piece is super good because it sort of addresses something I see a lot of people talking about on various, you know, video game forums, you know, why don't journalists break more stories? Why don't they, you know, try and dig up the real deep dirt? It kind of, you know, plays into this whole notion that, like, we as writers are somehow beholden to publishers and developers to make sure that we only present them in the best light possible, which, no, is not the case. But at the same time, we can't just go running out there throwing out every little piece of information that we get because, A, you know, half the time it turns out to be bullshit, the other half of the time, it's something that's so tangential to the grander scheme of, you know, what is what is going on with the studio and the product and all that stuff that it doesn't, you can investigate it all you want. But like, you know, she talks about in the piece, you know, what is the actual merit to posting it? Does that actually give the reader anything? Does that actually, you know, benefit the, the studio or, you know, get get the, like, what does that information actually do for anyone? Well, and, so, and you know, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> someone, Nardak and the, chat is being you know slightly sarcastic and snarky about this but he says yep no point for game journalist report on stuff like that just support the pr lines that companies give you <laughs> i think i think there is a middle ground in there yes um, I, th I think there is you know figuring out uh what is useful to report um one, one thing that i've heard from developers uh, in the past and this has been mentioned elsewhere is that you know maybe on its face reporting that you know x X game is having troubles uh, and, you know, the publisher is concerned uh, may not, you know, on its face be helpful information, you know, in sort of arming the consumer. If you think of reporters of, of a lot of what they do being consumer advocates um, yeah. is is that it actually provides reassurance to those in the studio that I'm not crazy like this is right. messed up and that hopefully if a, a spotlight is shined on what's happening here, you know, there will be. A real change uh, and you know I've heard from developers in the past that there doesn't need to be a whole lot of discussion before publishers get antsy about that stuff um, and, and so there is definitely use there um, even if it isn't necessarily in the arms of like hey this this is gonna help me figure out how I'm gonna buy this game yeah and you know it, it definitely go read that piece it's it's one I think one of the my favorite things that she's done uh, in recent years and that I think it's it's very informative about the mentality of of you know what what actual gaming journalists go through on a day-to-day -day basis when they're trying to figure out what to report and what not to yeah um so you know other than that we we sit and wait uh to see uh Indeed what happens do. what shakes out you know i imagine it won't be long before we hear uh studios being formed uh from folks that are irrational uh doing new things uh that that kind of happens all the time um but it does also seem like a lot of folks are going to land elsewhere and uh hey a lot of a lot of talented folks worked on uh, Bioshock Infinite and Bioshock, uh, regardless of what you think of either game, and uh, the industry will be better for them being sprinkled throughout. Uh, Indeed. So, what did you play? You, my understanding is that uh -huh. you cannot talk a lot about what you have been playing this week. 
Yes, yes, it is something of a conundrum because I have several embargoes sitting in front of me, so I cannot actually talk necessarily about the games that I have actually spent time playing over the last week or so. Uh, I will have more to say about Wolfenstein early next week, which I uh, okay. I, I played the first couple of hours of, uh, so I, you can you can look for some impressions then. Uh, I will be reviewing Thief, uh, the new one. Uh, that will happen next week. Oh, I'm uh, looking forward either, to that. Either on Monday or Tuesday. I cannot remember what day the embargo is for the life of me, but it's one of them. Uh, so that will happen. But other than that, I have not really had much of a chance to play anything. Uh, I, I, I got a little more Titanfall in before the beta officially ended, though I had kind of decided that I didn't really want to spend too much more time playing it uh, while it was still in beta form on account of... I just want to play it when it's out so I can actually progress a character and not just, you know, spend a bunch of time stuck on level 14. So, uh, that, you know, I, I, I'm still very positive about that game and I'm still very excited about it in a way that I have not been for a multiplayer shooter in a while. Um, but beyond that, I have not really played very much. Uh, I've played quite a bit this week. I, what did you play? Uh, well, I wrote up a review of Freedom Cry. That went up on uh, saw the that. site this week, so I started and finished that, um, which I, I think it's excellent. I, I think uh, <clears throat> Ubisoft continues to be super interesting um, with its downloadable content. Uh, I think you know, playing a game like Freedom Cry uh, with the kind of serious subject matter that it has, uh, like trying to think how they would turn that into a forty-hour adventure. I, right. I don't. It's really hard to imagine how that would work. And uh, so, you know, I think the limited scope allows them to tell like a really focused story that has a lot of impact and uh, a lot of emotional resonance. And uh, I I really enjoyed it. I thought the the context of, you know, you playing Atawale, who is a character from AC4, this takes place after the events of AC4, but doesn't really comment on them except to mention Edward Kenway a little bit um, it's it it, it, it creates a, an, a, a there's a lot of stuff about Assassin's Creed that sort of bothers me just mostly because I'm tired of doing it uh, mm-hmm. but you know when you make an optional objective you know hey you know s- save the slaves on this plantation that you're exploring like that that is an emotional incentive to finish a side objective that is a little bit different than like pickpocket three dudes uh, right. or, or whatever is usually uh, the sort of banal side objective in an Assassin's Creed, uh, and I so I end up finding finding that I was doing more of that stuff, not because the actions themselves were more interesting, but because the context the game framed them in was like, hey, I've, yeah, I've got to do this. I want to do this, and Adewale would want to do this, given that the kind of character he is. Uh, and I found stuff like that to be to be really fascinating. Yeah, for me, it was a little bit different. Like, I definitely, like, I was certainly inspired to keep doing those things over and over again uh, for the exact reason you just cited. Uh, The one thing that kind of, uh, which I think was a completely sensible decision within the context of what you're doing in that, in that, that, that DLC was the fact that, the, like, a lot of those side objectives just keep regenerating. You know, you mentioned in the review the, the notion that uh, in that, in that game, you do not beat slavery. Like slavery doesn't doesn't isn't defeated by the end of that, and you haven't you know suddenly created a, a utopia for the world. Like no, slavery is still happening, and it keeps happening, no matter how many times you you clear those plantations or free those slaves. And just more just keep popping up because that was the horrible nature of that whole that whole thing. My thing with side objectives in games like AC, 
you know, like AC4 was that I liked being able to just trying to find as many different things as I could and complete them. Like it was a completionist kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the fact that that stuff kept regenerating kind of drove me a little bit crazy in that (laughs) regard because I just wanted to be like, I have completed everything, but then be like, oh God, no, that plantation's full again. Shit. Uh, I get why they went that way, and I think it, it makes total sense within the context of that DLC, but I'm not going to sit there and pretend that didn't drive me kind of insane. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think in some level it works as sort of a commentary on the subject matter, but yes, uh, I, you know, I'm not someone that... Those sorts of things don't bother me. Like, I got over my completionist sort of habits a long, long time ago, and sure. I, I feel lighter as a human being uh as a result of not having the weight on my shoulders to to get everything in a video game especially assassin's creed those games are just full of stuff to do in in that regard um but yeah you know i think i i applaud ubisoft for uh doing something that wasn't really necessary like games don't touch on subjects like this for pretty good reasons uh because it's a minefield, and yeah. you, you know you're basically asking for an extremely strict scrutiny, uh, and uh, you're likely to mess it up. You know, to be perfectly honest, and so why should you be the guy that you know takes the bullet on that one, uh, even if it's in you know the name of progress and you know making mistakes to 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 be better in the future? Uh, you know, good on them for trying, and and I yeah. think I think they hit as much as they miss, and I point that out in the review. Uh, I think ultimately, like the biggest issue with Freedom Cry is that like they just don't change a lot of the fundamental problems that I'm I'm tired of in that series. Like the missions themselves, while contextually framed to have an emotional resonance that I found very interesting, uh, yeah. it's still just like, hey, eavesdrop on these dudes and be frustrated that they keep looking behind themselves for no good reason. Uh, yeah. Go assassinate these guys in a crowd, and then escape, chase, get away. Like you know, don't let them find you. Like it's it's the same tropey uh, mission objectives that have been in every Assassin's Creed. Because I think to put them out at the pace that they do, they seem to need a template for these mission objectives. And uh, I really part of the reason the high seas was so much fun was because it was just different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm hoping. If anything going forward in the Assassin's Creed franchise, I really hope they break up the mission structure and find new things to do in these worlds uh, because I'm just – there's only so much you can do with a setting to just yeah. you know put on a new coat of paint and pretend that what you're doing is different when it's really – it's really not. Uh, and and Freedom Cry, I think, takes, takes a, the idea of uh, putting it in a different setting and giving you – uh, motivations to do uh, what they're asking to do without changing fundamentally what they're asking about as far right. as you can take that. Uh, yeah. You know, like, you know, being, you know, uh, being someone that used to be a slave and then, you know, trying to free other slaves. Like, that's about as a, as far as you can take that idea in terms of giving the player emotional motivation to do some of these things. I just, yeah. I, I don't know if they can uh, get away with the same sorts of objectives all over again. Uh, no, they probably can't. And I mean, in the context of Freedom Cry, of, of course it was going to be the same stuff because they're just, it's DLC, you know, it's building off an existing right. engine. Totally. And, and, you know, I, if nothing else, I am glad that they, they spent some time with Atawale because he's not a character you get a whole hell of a lot of in the main AC4 game. Like, he's there and he, he has, he's an interesting presence and they start to flesh him out a little bit, but then he kind of just disappears and, you know, I mean, obviously Edward Kenway had his own story and that was, you know, interesting in its own way. But 
I'm glad that they took the time to kind of flesh that whole thing out. Uh, there are other parts of that game and other parts of that script that I wish they would they would also flesh out, you know, through DLC or whatever. But I'm kind of guessing they're probably done with story DLC for that game at this point. It seems like what they're releasing now is just like more islands and more stuff to explore, which is fine. I would love to go find more islands and go find more shit in that world because that world is fun to explore. But there's like there's you played through all of AC4, right? Oh, yeah. There's a whole section in that feels like it's just missing in that game. And I don't know if you ever if you notice that or not either. There's a part where I think it's it's after Kenway and this is, you know, spoiler territory for anyone who doesn't want to listen, you know, mute for the next let's say 3 minutes. Uh, there's a section where Kenway loses his boat and he gets arrested and he's in Jama- the Jamaican prison. Uh, and his boat has been commandeered by some other pirate who turned on him. And once you get through that sequence, it just skips over the whole process of you going back and getting all of your stuff, you know, getting your boat, getting your crew, doing all that shit. It's just, it cuts to a scene where that pirate is tied up and you and like all your friends are surrounding you. And it's like, okay, cool. Everything's back to normal again. And it was one of the most absurd and annoying narrative jump cuts I can remember in a game like that. And I was like, well, clearly they're going to put this in DLC or something. Right. And then they just don't do it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, have to imagine part of the way those games are built. Like, I mean, the the narrative structure of Assassin's Creed is, uh, you know, big leaps forward in time to yeah. set up whatever is convenient for them uh, for the next mission or story beat. And, uh, you know, that, you know, without knowing the development process, it wouldn't surprise me if that was just a bunch of content that got cut and they just said, well, let's just move on. Um, yeah, and, and, probably. Um yeah, I you know I I I'm I sympathize with you there. Yeah, that that jump cut was a little uh, tonally strange uh, that Jarring. they didn't re- that they didn't really at least acknowledge that in a piece of dialogue. But you know that that definitely does strike me as one of those just sort of like, well, we didn't have time for this. Like, just don't acknowledge it and move on, and the player yeah. will probably forget pretty fast. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to see. Uh, you know, I'm glad that Ubisoft uh, approaches DLC this way. I think it's really fascinating because um, there was plenty to do with Edward Kenway in the main game. So I'm mm-hmm. happy to have different things to do with different characters in the DLC. And uh, yeah, there's going to be, I'm sure, another one of those this year. Uh, you know, after AC4 being, uh, you know, surprisingly uh, great, I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what rhythm we're on for this next one. Uh, are they able to maintain this going forward? Or are we going to start having weird quality years, kind of like when Treyarch was finding its footing on Call of Duty, uh, in right. which you were just kind of waiting for the next Infinity War game? So we'll see. Or is I'm, Watch Dogs just the next Assassin's Creed? Man, people really want that to become true, don't they? They really want just Watch Dogs to be rebranded as uh, an Assassin's Creed game. I don't know that why. That seems to be the push, yeah. Why? I don't, I don't need know. another Assassin's Creed game. Like, ugh. I don't know. I mean, maybe because, you know, at this point, Watch Dogs has explained so little of its actual story and its actual premise that people are just projecting onto it because they have nothing else to go on. I suppose so. I'm just glad we live in a world where I'm not getting a, uh, Watch Dogs trailers every two days. But I'm oh, sure that's that, coming soon. I'm, I'm sure. sure that date is returning very soon. Oh, yeah. Um, let's what see. else did you play? I played that. Uh, I played uh, like 40 minutes of Strider. 
Well, let's see. Steam says 26 minutes. I played 26 okay. minutes of Strider last night. How were those 26 minutes of Strider? They were really good. I, okay. I really like that game so far. Um, I, you know, context, I did not really play the original Strider. You know, I'm aware of it. Uh, just like I'm aware of a lot of old school games. Um, but I, for whatever reason, and Strider, wait, Strider was like, it was an arcade game and then primarily a Genesis game, right? Uh, yeah, I only played the arcade version. I don't remember what the, what home versions were, were the hot business for people. Pretty sure it was a Genesis game and I was a SNES guy. So, uh, I, I'm fairly sure that explains why Strider was not something on my radar. Um, but, uh, this new one, you know, made by Double Helix, who is now owned by Amazon, which is a weird uh, phrase to come out of my mouth. Uh, yeah. This continues to show that, man, you know, I think David Ellis of 343 mentioned this on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes you really cannot judge a, a studio by what they've worked on in the past. And Double Helix could not be driving that point home any harder uh, than with the sort of uh, one-two punch of Killer Instinct and then Strider. Uh, yeah. You know, I you know I, I read Jeff's review. He seems to have some problems uh, with the game. Um, you know, I I'm not early enough to to really have thoughts on on the parts that he's run into issues with. Um, right. I think he gave it three stars on the site. He did. But it is just like just up front. There's no tutorial. Nothing. Game just starts, drops you in the world, and it's like, yeah, go slice some dudes, figure it out. Uh, and that is, I like that part. That feels really refreshing. Uh, in a way that uh, surprised me more than I expected it to, um, in which you're just dropped into a world, and usually they're going to be like, hey, hit X to slash, and Y to upward slash, and that would all make sense that you would explain that. The game just says, eh, come on. You're playing Strider. The kind of person playing Strider, you're you're going to figure it out. There's a yeah. dude in front of you, hit some buttons, f- figure out how to kill that guy. Uh, yeah. and so that, that was, I found that to be really uh, interesting and refreshing, and the game just moves that up really really fast pace um i have you know i'm just starting to get into some of the metroidvania elements you know the idea of as you're progressing you're getting you know items and going back to uh unlock areas from before um and it sounds like it's pretty lengthy i saw some folks in the comments talking about you know being eight hours in and only 60 percent complete you know i think that 60 percent is partially indicative of all the secret stuff and not discoverables yeah yeah not just straight progression but either way it seems like a pretty uh, lengthy game and it just doesn't feel like we've had a whole lot of those games this generation, despite how beloved, uh, or I get you know, and last generation as well, despite how beloved you know games like Shadow Complex were. Um, you know, we got Metroid Other M, which was in interesting. Interesting. It was something. Interesting. It was definitely. I liked something. the combat. I liked. The it combat. was something. Yeah. I'll continue to leave it at that. Mm. And uh, yeah, we just don't don't get a lot of those games. Like Nintendo has not given a whole lot of love to you know the metroid series in the last five years just haven't seen a whole lot there since uh metroid prime 3 on the wii which was a great game really enjoyed that Mm one um so yeah for yeah just haven't seen a whole lot of those and man strider reminds you like hey people should make more of these games uh yeah and it's it's just a damn fine at least like the first 26 minutes a da- feels like a damn fine action game uh and a stark contrast to a lot of what i've been playing uh lately uh so i've i've been enjoying that um are you are you going to try and play that at some point i am I, I i played a demo of it uh a few months back and i remember liking what i played though jeff's assertion that the best stuff is kind of up front has me wondering if i really want to invest too much into it but i'll try it out because like even if the combat is kind of wrote and simple like 
I can be fine with that so long as the action has a good pace to it and, you know, the exploratory elements are, are well done. Uh, the Metroidvania-style stuff is well done. It seems sounds like it is. Uh, so. Someone pointing out in the chat that Guacamelee came out. Yep. Yeah, Guacamelee, great game. Yeah. Great good, game. Great, really nice mix of beat-em-up and Metroidvania-style stuff. Uh, that is a game that I've actually thought about going through and replaying all over again, uh, but I haven't gotten around to doing that yet because obviously there are a million other games I need to play first. But yeah, Guacamelee. Guacamelee is pretty great. Well, they put out uh, like a Guacamelee Deluxe or like Guacamelee something or other. I don't. I forget what the Guacamelee Gold. I feel like that's something. What it is. Anyway, they put out an upgraded version of that, uh, which I think is coming to PS4 and Xbox One, but it's certainly out on PC right now. And uh, it has new areas and stuff. So, yeah, okay. I am, I am right. thinking of playing that as well. People in the chat pointing out Outland. Did you play Outland? The Housemark game did in which like it, you flipped between red and blue? Yeah, I did. I did oh, play that Outland. Game was so good. I didn't finish Outland, but I did play Outland. Oh, that game was the best. That game was really good. That game mm. was really cool. I don't know why I stopped playing that one. I think I just got distracted by other stuff and never went back to it. I should maybe I should just go back to Outland. Outland that was pretty fucking good, as God, I recall. That game was so good. I wonder if yeah. the game's on PC. I bet not. I bet not. I'm gonna. Check. I remember Brad loving the hell out of Outland. Oh, it was so good. I think yeah, him and I were really into that game. It was just brutally freaking hard yeah outland it was maybe that's why i actually stopped was because it was brutally fucking hard and i didn't have to finish it so i hit a point i was like nope okay i'm good for a while it was really hard it was a you know i mean it was a uh a a bullet hell shooter wrapped in a metroidvania platformer which yeah fuck yeah that's intense fuck yeah ah i don't need to replay outland Anyway, the is, it too, is it too easy to do an Encyclopedia Bombastica for Outland, a game that probably already has a quick look on the site? <laughs> yeah, I think I think you have to you have to go deeper. Right? It has you to be an opposed opposed quick look era. Yeah, you can't just you can't just write off stuff that we've already quick looked. That, that what if that's, I that's just fair. what if I did commentary over the quick look? Uh, it's a, a nostalgic look back at the Outland quick look on the site. I, if you're looking to get fired, I think that is a great way to start. Okay. All right. You know what? That's interesting. That's an interesting just start idea. Just producing quick looks of quick looks, and that will get people's <laughs> attention if you are trying to get fired from the site at any point. Just throwing that out there. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So, I've been, I've been playing a little bit of Strider. Uh, looking forward to digging into that uh, this weekend. Um, I'm giving a, a talk tomorrow, and then once that's done shit to do all weekend and my nice. plan is to really dig into strider uh the other the other game i played uh was a game called uh naissance naissance I saw the solo for that yeah not super clear on the pronunciation and also hey you want to see someone play games completely the opposite of me go watch the sort of quick look equivalent uh uh i'm not sure what uh, jim sterling uh calls his versions of those videos uh, but he did one of that game as well, and just, man, we could not be on the opposite sides of the spectrum in terms of how we approach games sometimes, and it's really funny to watch that video. It's like eight minutes long, he just gives up on it at a certain point, uh, and uh, I, I highly recommend it. But uh, it's, you know, a a first-person uh, exploration game with some platforming elements. Uh, the platforming elements are probably the weakest part of it, uh, and there's uh, a little too much of them, but... Uh, the game is essentially, it gave me the, it's very creepy and unsettling. It feels like you're exploring a derelict ship in the style of, uh, what's the ship from Alien? 
Oh, uh, the... Nostromo? Wait, the yeah, the original yeah, Alien. Nostromo. Nostromo, yeah. It feels yeah. like you're exploring a ship like that, where there... But it's completely uninhabited. Like, but it's it's sterile and it's clean and it's and, and the 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 visuals have like a sort of a grainy aesthetic to them. Sometimes, uh, it creates this weird tension in which I experienced a little bit in Gone Home. Uh, the game's not like Gone Home at all, except that it's in first person and you are exploring. Um, but that in Gone Home, I would sometimes feel like there's going to be a monster around the corner. Like, I mean, the game right. plays on that specifically. I don't think Nason Sense does that uh, intentionally, but it evokes a similar atmosphere of just you f- you feel creeped out, and I felt tense throughout the entire experience. And the game largely focuses on uh, lighting. Uh, if if you watch uh, the quick look I did, you know it's it's a lot of like really stark contrast of like big white rooms with big white squares, and then like using shadows to sweep across that, and the the shadows are their way of hiding platforms and stuff like that, and Part of what you're doing is navigating the space based on how the lighting is interacted with the rooms. And it's just all the time I would find myself just stopping and just looking at what these developers had created. Uh, it's just probably one of the most visually impressive games I have ever seen. Like, I, I, don't, like, I don't think the gameplay is for a lot of people. I think a lot of people will find it frustrating and they would wish the game would just play itself. But if there was a way for people just to get in there and experience the visuals... I mean, it's it's something else. Uh, like, I, I really do implore people to check it out. I, you know, unfortunately, I think they're charging too much for it. Like, I don't mm. usually wade into that, you know, qualitative or I guess quantitative element of, of games and try and step back from it. But they're charging nineteen or nineteen ninety nine for it. So they're charging twenty bucks for it. Uh, it's about a five hour game that I think the gameplay parts are not particularly great. Um, and, and so it might be one of those that like kind of put it on your wish list. Uh, you know, I think it's on sale now, but for like 1799, uh, keep it in mind. Uh, it's, it's, it's a game that I would recommend people check out, but I, I, you know, I think I, I would, as I'm now doing checklisting, a lot of caveats that go with that. Uh, but if you're interested in something weird and something unsettling, uh, but not in a traditional horror sense, it's not a scary game there. At no point is there like a, a boogeyman around the corner. It is gone home-esque in that way where nothing there's never like a reveal that's like aha and here are the aliens here are the deadly creatures uh but definitely uh definitely check it out yeah that sounds like something i would you know check out once it's on sale uh if you're into drugs if you're into drugs i you should play this game i'm not asking you alex i'm I'm talking to the audience i'm not gonna say i'm not into drugs (laughs) but i mean i'm not gonna yeah if you find Uh, yourself near a pile of drugs Okay. $20. I mean, I could find a pile of drugs. Mm -hmm. I'm in New York. It's not like it's hard to find drugs in New York, so maybe. Yeah. Yeah, If you find yourself yourself in a pile of drugs and suddenly high on this pile of drugs and you have $20 in your pocket, you could do far worse things than to play uh, Nazan's. Nazan's. I really wish. I need to figure out. You know what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to do a lot of drugs. I'm going to do a whole bunch of drugs this weekend. Yeah. Great. You've given me this great idea. Thank you, Patrick. All right, and then we'll do a morning show, like at like four a.m. on Saturday. I'm just gonna come. I'm gonna like. I'm gonna have lost, somehow inexplicably lost fifty pounds. Nope. I'm just gonna be gaunt. I'm gonna have scabs all over my face. It's gonna be fucking great. Drugs. Drugs. That's that's what happens when you do drugs, right? Yep. Okay. I have a lot of firsthand experience with hardcore drug use, so totally. I'm 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 validating your suspicions. Okay. Uh, cool. Looking forward to it. 
so yeah, that's what I played this week. Um, and I actually snuck in more things than I expected to uh, this week. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, we're nearing what uh, well, Thief comes out next week. We'll learn whether we need to play that from you. Although I think, regardless of uh, what you think of it, whether you love it or whether you don't like it, I'm probably going to play it anyway, just because I'm genuinely curious about uh, Eidos Montreal. Um, and and you know, I I had such a polarized reaction to Deus Ex: Human Revolution before it came out, and then after it came out, uh, that uh, I definitely want to at least genuinely give uh, Thief a shot. Um, although I have downloaded this, man, I'm going to butcher. The way you the name Dopan, Do, oh my God! What what is it? It's this Vita game that is a cross between Nine 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 and VLR and oh that Vita's game Journey. that I've seen a million people talking about and I have no idea what it is. Dang Ronpa Don Don Ronpa. Okay. Yes. Dangan. Sure. Close. Yeah. yeah. Nezan sense Dangan Ronpa. Uh, yeah. It's a it's it from it has been pushed on me pretty hard from the audience. Uh, because of uh, what I enjoyed about uh, the visual novels slash puzzle games, 999 and VLR. Uh, and uh, I have downloaded Danganronpa, but I have not played it yet, and it's supposed to be uh, pretty great. Uh, so hopefully I'll be able to share something about that uh, next week. Um, but I think that's... Yeah, I, I hope so, because I, I, I have not seen a sufficient explanation of what that game is yet. Uh, granted, I have not looked too hard, but it would be good to, to hear what, what that is all about, because people keep talking about it. Yeah, people are really excited about it, and you know that's one of my favorite things to do, is to go, like, all right, what are these crazy people talking about? Are they on drugs? They're probably on drugs. I'll take some drugs and figure out what Danganronpa is. Speaking of on drugs, someone mm-hmm. in the chat just said that Rambo video game is out today. That can't possibly be right. Oh yeah, I know. I think I definitely think that's true. No, no, I, I refuse to believe that that is actually out today. That would be. Oh no, there are reviews of that game coming out. Holy shit, that might. Act... Oh, I wonder if that's in Europe. It might not be in the U.S. yet. Nope. Un- yeah, unlocks February twenty first, twenty fourteen. Today, this game will unlock in approximately two hours. Shit. Yeah, I think you know what you're doing this weekend. I have to play that, don't I? Fuck. Yeah, you do. God damn it. All right. Yeah, you All do. right. Fine. Fine! What are the reviews of that game? Uh, I don't know. I just saw that Eurogamer had reviewed it. Let me see what they have to say real quick before... Can we, re- uh, can we read their conclusion? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me, let me me bring it back up here real fast because uh, I would love to see what Eurogamer has to say about... Uh, Oh, man, I'm playing the new Rambo game on drugs. I'm actually disappointed. It's a 5 out of 10. I was I was kind of hoping it would be what? more extreme. Oh, than the other. that's boring. It would have been nice to report that the underdog turns out to be an unstoppable champion, but that was never realistically on the card. So instead we get this, a cheesy, silly, mindless romp in which hordes of identical bad guys get turned to sticky red paste under the furious gaze of your twitching gun barrel. It's certainly not a good game. But it is a game with zero irony. <laughs> it's not being corny or schlocky on purpose, which means that for all its faults, Rambo honestly taps into the spirit of 1980s action cinema more deeply than you might expect. Not in spite of its rough edges, but because of them. Oh, that sounds so weird, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I to be fair, I never got a sense of irony from that game whatsoever. Uh, I got the impression that everyone involved in that game thought they were making a really good Rambo game, which, I don't know, I don't even know what a good Rambo game looks like in 2014, but... Or a good Rambo I, movie, for that matter. Yeah, so I... Well, hey, that Rambo from, like, uh, was it, like, 2008? Mm-hmm. Surprisingly okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, but that said, I... Oh, God damn it, I don't have to fucking play.
play this game, aren't I? It's really you know what game. I I kind of love if they're if Eurogamer is spot on in that observation that they're right. Part of the reason '80s action cinema was as great as it was is the fact that it didn't sort of break the wall. Like there yeah. was no irony. It was cheesy and goofy, but with an earnestness that uh, was really charming uh, and. If somehow they capture that in the game, even if the game part isn't good, you got to play that game. You got to yeah, you got to report back. It's why back. I never really like parodies of 80s action cinema because it always just feels like, well, that's cool. Yeah, you figured out the aesthetics and the the ridiculous story beats and, you know, the the stupid one-liners and all that shit, but you don't seem like you're necessarily just in love with the concept. You're just doing it because it's funny to you. Yeah. I like I like movies like Cobra and Commando because they don't know how dumb they are and it's beautiful it's yeah. wonderful because they are so they are so earnest about what they're doing and it's great mm. earnestness is the new irony i straight up i guess put it on a t-shirt yeah um okay so oh, i'm looking forward to playing uh donkey kong uh, i got to see Kang. if i can yeah i got to see if i can track down a track down a copy of that i tremendously loved the original uh from not the rare game the retro studios game although i liked the rare game i really liked yeah. the soundtrack um and uh yeah so although i'd much rather retro studios had worked on something else uh i i want to play give me another really good nintendo published platformer like hell yeah i'm in yeah i heard it's hard as fuck but great that's that fine. sounds awesome i'm okay with that um so I think that covers I think that covers the games we've been playing. Uh, why yeah. don't we uh, why don't we move on to some news? You know, we already kind of touched on the irrational stuff, so we can uh, we can move on from that. Do you got Indeed. anything else you wanted to to bring up? Well, there was the whole deep down thing, yeah. uh, which we haven't really talked about at all since that kind of happened uh, mm-hmm. after our last show. Uh, so the the basic crux of that whole situation was that the deep down producers explained that. While there is, I guess, so there's not multiple playable characters. There's one playable character in the game. Mm-hmm. It's just that that character happens to be male. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people were understandably a little irritated at the fact that, you know, there's no way you can play a female character in that game, which, I, you know, there, there are a number of strong arguments and, and articles that have been written about that over the course of the last week. Uh, you know, the Capcom's assertion that it's part of the plot that the the main character is male because that ties into the plot didn't really seem to uh, sate any of, of people's concerns like it, it, it you know the crux is that it, it's a, it's an under, it, it's a representation thing you know like women sometimes like to play women men sometimes like to play women i often play female characters in in games where i have that choice because why not uh i had a femship for a while you know mm-hmm. like i i think that there's there's merit to having that representation across the board and that game doesn't really have it and that's you know that's bummed a lot of people out now granted i don't feel like people were talking this much about deep down before this information came out <laughs> well uh, i think people are hoping that you know, deep down seems to have uh, a dark souls vibe and yeah, a little and, bit and, and and i think that's part of the excitement for deep down is you know we got dark souls 2 coming out in a couple of weeks uh and that's on a current gen you know deep down is uh not only a next gen game it's free to play i believe it's being made yes, by capcom is. online and so i think people were excited like hey you know it's going to be a couple of years probably before we have uh you know they will make another dark souls game i am sure of it um and and it's gonna be a couple of years till we get that so 
if Deep Down could be something like that, and Capcom made Dragon's Dogma, which was a fan, you know, fantastic, I should qualify, really interesting and uh, had a lot of really cool ideas, uh, sort of like open world uh, Japanese take on a Skyrim type game. Like, so, you know, focusing the combat down into sort of corridor stuff. And there's interesting uh, potential there for, for Deep Down. Uh, so I think that explains some of the excitement. Uh, and then I think some of the surprise when it's like, well, if you're good, you know, Dark Souls, uh, Dragon's Dogma, uh, you know, two games that uh, Deep Down is pulling from are games where character customization, uh, like take the the women's stuff out of the equation. Like, you know, that's been the, the point of the conversation. But I think people had the expectation uh, that this was going to be a game where you could highly customize your character. And so if yeah. you, you know, wanted to be a woman, then great. Then you have the option there. Like if you wanted to be a horribly disfigured man with scars all over his body, like great, do that. Like if you wanted yeah. to be a lizard creature, thing i go for it uh and uh these types of games typically are highly customizable for the the player's appearance and so i think there's a baked in expectation for this type of genre that part of the experience is that you're role-playing your character and uh you know obviously it seems like you know it's it's possible capcom has you know very uh they have a narrative that they want to tell that you know that you know has you playing as a male character and i think then you know whether it was a translation issue uh in terms of how the the live uh, stream translation came through where they mentioned this or a capcom was just tone deaf to how they should have been explaining it uh if a developer wants to have you play a male character there's nothing inherently wrong with that uh no. I, the way the translation came across made it sound like hey we're just doing this because we want to do it uh you know that doesn't really work as well in 2014 and if you want to you know, you just need to provide a better explanation for what your intent is. Uh, and, you know, it seems like they did a little bit better version of that uh, based on the updated statement that I read from them. And I think people just expect a little bit more of an explanation if, uh, especially if the genre it sort of has the baked-in expectation that you're going to be able to customize your character. Yeah, and I think there's also just a little bit of, you know, when, when Capcom says, oh, it's because of the plot, people aren't going, well, that's probably true because let's face it, Capcom and storytelling, not always the the, the greatest mix. Uh, so I, I, maybe they have their reasons. I don't know. I, I, I read, there are some really good pieces around about this situation and why, why people were upset about it. Uh, I would recommend doing a little research and, and looking around and reading about it. But I agree that the, the statement that they put out does kind of clarify it a little bit better. Uh, it, but I, 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 I do think it's kind of a bummer that if you're making a game that's sort of, you know, predicated theoretically on customizing your own character, you're limiting it to that degree. Um, well, I, we'll I, I mean, like, the, the you know, the little we know about the story of Deep Down is that there's an Assassin's Creed vibe in that you are, uh, it is set in the future and you're going yeah. into the past. So, you know, it could be that they just set expectations wrong in people thinking this was a customizable RPG experience right. when and what they are trying to tell is the specific story of, I think they're called Ravens, which is a group of, of folks that went down into these dungeons. And uh, they if they have a specific story to tell about a group of individuals, you know, kind of like a group of soldiers that went down uh, there together, like that's perfectly acceptable. Um, yeah. But... You know, they're trying to be cagey about the narrative, and I think this is just an instance where being cagey about the narrative sort of bit them in the ass, uh, whereas if they were a little more upfront with what was happening or contextualized it a little bit better, you know, I don't 
I don't think this would have been the game that was the conduit for uh, a lot of the the fervor that came out because I think a lot of the 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 angry articles are not really necessarily directed at at deep down. It's directed at the larger uh, sort of like systemic issue uh, in game development. You know, when you hear like, oh, it's too expensive to create, uh, you know. A, 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 a female model and, and stuff like that. Um, and so I think that that's where a lot of the anger was targeted and deep down was just, you know, a convenient way to bring that up yet again. And, and I think Capcom could have avoided that if they were just a little more forward about their story. Um, but they're not going to be, so. Yeah, so. Uh, let's, let's see, see. what else? Uh, uh, Chroma is a game. Yeah, that's that right. Harmonix announced. announced a new game this week. Yeah, they are making a free-to-play uh, shooter that involves music, which mm-hmm. sounds completely insane. Uh, more or less like they just took the dubstep gun from Saints Row 4 and made an entire game around that. Uh, but no, it's it's you know it's a competitive arena style shooter. Uh, apparently, the music and the rhythm of it, like the like attacks, are sort of built into the beats of the music, and you get like bonuses for like hitting it, you know, attacking on the beat or shooting on the beat or something like that. It's it's a little hard to exactly completely grasp what that game is because I have not had a chance to play it. And I feel like the entire experience of what that is can really only be communicated by getting your hands on it. Cause I've asked multiple harmonics employees to explain it to me and their, their explanations have always been like a little bit different from each other. So mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to completely piece it together, but it sounds cool. Like the idea of of mixing rhythm with a kind of fast paced, you know, uh, multiplayer shooter, that sounds really neat. And I guess this is what they were hiring for when they hired for a combat designer a couple of years ago. Everyone was mm. kind of trying to figure out what the, they were up to with that and what that was going to be. But it sounds like that this is probably what they were after. Yeah, I'm wondering what the, uh, you know, if they were hiring a combat designer, like this is being made by uh, Hidden Path Entertainment, who made a. Uh, counter-strike global offensive i think yeah. that's what that what that game was called um so you know I, you know maybe they like prototyped it you know like the the combat in-house and then got someone to sort of like you know take the ball and go go make the full right. game but yeah i'm with you i i'm i'm more fascinated by the music part than the shooting part uh so i'm i'm you know reading the descriptions of folks that have played the game the idea that the firing of every weapon is mm-hmm. based on uh the beat of right. of the song that's playing like that that you know the rhythm of the song you know is how the grenades come out of a grenade launcher like that's all sounds super interesting uh yeah you know whether that's fun to play like you know that's going to be hard to tell until i actually uh do it myself um it sounded like uh i was reading chris kohler's right up over at wired and he definitely made like some of the rhythm stuff sound kind of frustrating uh to pull mm-hmm. off you know sort of basic maneuvers that you would do in uh, a shooter otherwise but you know that might just be a case of getting acclimated to to the mechanics uh but you know good on them for trying something completely different both as yeah. a studio uh you know as they try and figure out who they are in you know a post rock band peripheral world uh and uh just yeah just trying something different in the shooter genre I, i'm hoping the alpha starts pretty soon right yes it does like um, this month and I'm definitely interested in jumping in on that whenever that happens. Hint, hint, harmonics, friends. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that, that studio has been quiet for so long. Uh, you know, all we've really known that they've been working on was Fantasia for at least the better part of the last year. Uh, it sounds like Chroma is not the only other thing they have uh, in the in in the oven right now. So, oh, I can't. You know. I got to imagine, you know, like that's 
you know, not a small studio and, and yeah. I, you know, they got to be working on other stuff. And I'm genuinely curious to see, you know, is, is Chroma indicative of what we'll see from them going forward? Just, you know, the idea of, Hey, let's look at established genres. Like how can we do something different with it? Uh, using music. Cause that, right. that's hugely exciting to me. Like, you know, BitTrip runner is one of my favorite platformers, uh, which I, for some reason I didn't get as into BitTrip runner too, but the idea of, of fusing music, uh, or in incorporating music into existing genres, super exciting. So, yeah. you know, I, I kind of hope that's a path they're going down is just exploring that idea. You know, I I still want my mythical rock band subscription service. I know that, that those days have sailed. That's never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do going forward for sure. Yeah, I mean, I we got Fantasia, we got Chroma. We know that there will be more Dance Central somewhere down the line. So you know, there's 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 reason to be hopeful for at least Harmonix surviving the the great purging of the Boston game development scene, if nothing else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it's gotten rough over there. It's because now, I mean, it was basically like when 38 went under. It was like, well, okay, now you've got Harmonix and Irrational, and now Irrational's gone. And Turbine. So, but Turbine was just hit with a bunch of layoffs, right? Like they're yeah, not. they're still done. around, but they're 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 they are apparently lost a number of people. So, <sighs> that's yeah. unfortunate. Boston, uh, it's it sucks. Uh, year of Luigi officially ends March eighteenth. That's not a year. That's been longer than a year. <laughs> it was February last year that they announced. Year of, the Luigi, year of is Luigi is in your is in your heart, Alex. It can go on as long as you want. So don't let Nintendo dictate to you when the year of Luigi has to end. Okay. Well, no, but it that they they own the character, so I think they actually they do don't get to own dictate. your heart. I mean, not not in the legal sense, but in in sort of like a wistful childhood nostalgia kind of way. Maybe they do. I guess that's I guess that's true. If you want to get poetic about it, but yeah. So the year of Luigi is coming to an end. Uh, I like that it was announced probably. in a Miiverse post by Miyamoto. Perfect. You know, man. Yeah. That's what I love about Nintendo. I love yeah, that. That's they, so they, weird. They, they find the dumbest, most random ways to use their dumb, random things. Like I like the Miiverse. I like the Miiverse. Like it's charming. The Miiverse is one of the few things I would carry over into whatever dream console I built out of all the different consoles that exist. Like, mm -hmm. if, if I made one console out of all the best parts of the three that are out there right now, the Miiverse would definitely be in there. Yeah. It's so dumb. Uh, new Walking Dead episode, early March. Yep. We're getting a trailer next week. Uh, it's, what's the title called? Uh, a House Divided. Uh, so I imagine that will... Well, I guess I don't want to say too much if folks have not played it. But yeah, you encounter a house in Walking Dead. You're in a house. In, 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 in early parts of The Walking Dead Season 2 uh, with some characters who are suspicious of your intentions and motivations. Uh, you know, I enjoyed that first episode. Um, not as... I'm curious, you know, the first episode of The Walking Dead... Uh, season one was also not its strongest moment, so no. you know I'm I I qualify my expectations on season two, uh, wanting to see more of of what they what they do with that character, you know where they take her. I don't know if they can just get away with like we're gonna put Clementine in harrowing situations like that. Seems like that might get a little tiring. Uh, yeah. So you know if they weren't gonna do sort of a leap forward in time uh, where she you know, has matured in a, in a way that creates, makes her dynamic different. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see where they, uh, where they go with that. And I also, yeah. uh, I saw an interview with uh, Robert Kirkman 
uh, the creator of The Walking Dead, in which, uh, so in the TV show, they, uh, in an Easter egg, acknowledged the existence of the, the video game series. Uh, mm-hmm. They had, uh, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but I don't know, one of the characters mentioned, uh, was it McCone or Macon, where they were trying to go in season one? And so anyway, it's just sort of idly mentioned as a sort of nod, uh, and Kirkman was asked whether, you know, a character like Clementine could ever intertwine in the TV series, and you know, definitely made it sound like it's not something happening this year, but that uh, they have thought about the idea of getting uh, a little more intertwined with what's happening outside of the show itself, which could be kind of could be kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I that said, I I have so stopped paying attention to the show at this point. Uh, oh, there's I know. probably not any chance of me really getting back into it uh, from here because. I just don't care about any of those characters. I'm sorry. I love the idea of a serialized zombie drama on TV. I just, I wish I cared about any of the people. I don't. I know. I it keep, sucks. I keep watching it, though. Yeah, I, I, I understand the, the idea of hate watching a show just because you, you want it to be good, but uh, yeah. I, I hit my limit uh, at the beginning of season three, so. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Um... They're making another Jesco. Yeah, go ahead. Jesco's trying to avoid getting uh, uh, delisted from the stock market again. <laughs> again? Yeah. So they're trying to do a reverse stock split, I guess, to uh, keep their 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 thing afloat. Uh, which, hey, remember Majesco? Remember the games Majesco has put out? Yeah, like Psychonauts. Years? Yeah, and also that basketball game that no one bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, and, those uh, those Pokemon episodes on GBA. That, that Hulk Hogan Connect game, remember that? Mm, yep. Nope. Yep. So yeah, Majesco. They are they are still around. Shockingly. Weird. Uh, Kiji Eno's final project to be developed, crowdfunded, after his death. That is, that's cool. Yeah. It sounds like a bunch of his friends are getting together. Uh, titled, hmm, Caxican, Caxican. K-A-K-E-X-U-N. Uh, this, this this write-up on Joystick does not describe what the project is, but uh, yeah, Kenji, you know, he, that dude was a character. Um, I've never played D2, uh, but I definitely want to someday because the videos of that game on the Dreamcast looked nuts. Um, I should definitely play that sometime. Yeah. I guess there's a new Tony Hawk game in development. Yeah. Folks have questions. You should probably jump in the chat. I didn't realize it was already 1030. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they're making a new Tony Hawk. That's weird. I guess yeah, it's not, not weird. But, like, what are they going to do? What could they possibly do that's interesting? Well, I don't know. It's been how many years since the last Skate sequel? They could probably just steal that whole thing in en masse and make it next gen and say, look, new Tony Hawk. You remember Tony Hawk. That's fun. He's getting old, man. I'm not sure how much how much more they can. Is to, when, at one point, does Tony Hawk become John Madden, where he's just it's the name and he's not involved anymore? You're saying that Tony Hawk should get his own bus and drive across the country? Yeah. The Hawk Cruiser. Why not? Yeah. I how can long, see that. How long is how much longer can that guy really be skating? He's like in Fuck his it. 40s, right? It's it's been like four years, five years at least since a, a, a relevant skateboarding game, other than something like Oli Oli. So you know, you're maybe right. now is actually the time to strike. If you're gonna bring it back at all, maybe now's the time. Now is the time to strike, Activision. Yes. Strike with a new uh, skateboarding game. 
All right, let's see. Uh, Just got anything else? Back Guitar Hero. Anything else big, or else should we move on to questions? Yeah, that's that's kind of all I got. Um. W Drive. Oculus is suspending orders for the Rift development kit due to lack of component parts. Do you think they'll produce a new development kit? Are we getting close to consumer release? That's a that's a good question. I don't know. They have been awfully cagey about uh, the consumer version of the Oculus uh, kit. I don't think it would be shocking if they were to trot out a line like lack of component parts to... Uh, not produce or to slow down sales of a development kit to allow them to catch up as they pivot uh, to something new. But I want to say that they publicly disclosed they were going to distribute a second development kit ahead of the consumer release. So Yeah, I I remember something about that too. Uh, But to the question of whether they're close to consumer release, God, no. I don't think they are at all. I think they are still at least a year away from, from that being a consumer product. Yeah, I think we will definitely hear what the plans are for the consumer release uh, in 2014. But yeah, I get increasingly anxious over the idea that that's actually going to come out uh, yeah. this year. Um, definitely curious to see if we hear about, um, you know, Sony's, uh, you know, much rumored where there's smoke, there's fire uh, VR headset. Uh, you know, that seems like E3 would be the appropriate time to hear something about that. Um, sure. But um it would be really yeah. unfortunate if Sony was actually able to put out their their whatever their VR thing is before Oculus even gets to market, considering how much time we've spent talking about Oculus over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think it benefits Oculus uh, in the long run uh, to have a company like Sony, uh, you know, putting their weight behind this uh, similar technology. So I, I don't think that hurts them necessarily, especially given that it's not like Sony is going to make that compatible with the PC. Right. Um, so I I think that lifts all boats uh, to have uh, Sony involved in, in that. Um, mm-hmm. Where was the other one? Uh, the Bio Lover says, hey, are you guys going to play or have you played The Last of Us DLC? Uh, <clears throat> I have not because my I copy of The Last of Us uh, is in San Francisco. Uh, so mm-hmm. I need to... Uh, purchase another copy or borrow a copy from a friend so I can play the DLC. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the internet has successfully spoiled uh, one of the the turns, uh, let's say, uh, in, uh, uh, in, in that Last of Us DLC. Yeah, my understanding is the entire DLC does not hinge upon the piece of information that I have learned, but it is unfortunate. I'm usually pretty good about avoiding that stuff, uh, but somehow, uh, well, not somehow, someone purposely spoiled it for me. Uh, yeah. and that sucks. People will do that, won't they? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try and play that as soon as I'm done with this current crop of review things that I have on my plate. Uh, but I'm, despite having had that spoiled for me, I'm still very much looking forward to playing it because, I, as I said before, Last of Us was my favorite game of last year. And uh, as much as that story has been perfectly told for me, I'm, I'm I, hearing that this does what it does as well as it does uh, makes me very excited to try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indy AK Rex pointing out that uh, the uh, the Batman game that came out on 3DS and Vita whose name is escaping me oh uh, yes Arkham Origin Blackgate Blackgate yeah that's coming to everything uh, they're putting it out on PC and consoles and uh, I have no idea if that game was any good it's certainly the idea of playing an Arkham game in a Metroidvania context, especially given what we were talking about earlier, 
that'd be cool if that game was great. Uh, I don't know how that turned out. I don't know if I even read any reviews of it. So curious what folks folks think of it. I I want that to be good. That sounds like a yeah. great idea. I yeah I don't know I I'm not necessarily in super favor of this whole trend of taking handheld games and putting them on consoles. Uh, AC Liberation was you know a recent case where they 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 did that and it's like cool yeah I mean they added some stuff and they made it look a little better but man this still still totally feels like a handheld game that uh, I am now playing on a home platform. Mm-hmm. So I don't know I'm not sure I'm not sure if that translation uh, is something that people should be publishers should really be focusing on on a regular basis. Yeah, or if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. Oh, there was one other question I wanted to pull up, but then but then Did I lost it. Disappear? it. I think it disappeared. Mm. Oh. Mm. I guess that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah no, I get it. Someone okay. did. Uh, someone in the chat mentioned, hey, Sean Elliott mentioned mm-hmm. uh, something on Twitter about wanting to join us. Yes, I am aware. Sean Elliott former uh, games journalist critic uh, who spent the last four years, five years at Irrational Games working on Bioshock Infinite. Uh, yeah, he's also a friend of mine. Uh, we are chatting uh, and hope to have him involved on the site in some capacity, um, whether that's on the morning show or maybe something for the interview dump truck. Um, you know, we're still working out the details there, uh, but, you know, hope to have Sean involved in something uh, real soon. Uh, he's got, <laughs> not to make light of it, but some free time. Uh, mm-hmm. on his hands uh, and it sounds like he's looking uh, while he figures out where he's going to land next uh, to maybe get involved in a little bit of what he was doing in the past so uh, we'd be psyched to have him involved in something on the site uh, and uh, I'm going to work on that uh, real soon later today in fact it was um, interesting uh, on watching him on Twitter last night talk about why he was reluctant to start doing things like live streams because his way of playing games is to try and like break systems and mm-hmm. to try, like, you know, like he just approaches it from a very different way than a lot of other people do. I think that sounds super interesting. I would actually totally watch that because I, I'm not the sort of person that generally just watches people play games for, for the fun of it. But if there's like a different angle, if there's a different approach, that might be something I would actually watch. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that. I uh, don't have specific details to share yet, but uh, hopefully we'll have uh, Sean uh, joining us real soon. Uh, and I guess that that's that's kind of a show. I can I also I can also confirm that we are going to have Kara Ellison on as our guest on Monday. Uh, be psyched to have her back. Uh, she actually played Earth Defense Force, which Alex, you okay. and I were talking about uh, a little bit earlier. Even though she has a horrible, horrible ant phobia, uh, she she waded into the depths of Earth Defense Force to let us know how that was. Uh, I think she wrote a review for. Eurogamer, so psyched to have her back on. She was a ton of fun, um, and uh, so you guys can look forward to that on Monday. And uh, so you're just gonna be playing embargoed games this weekend, right? Yeah, and I guess maybe now I'll play some fucking Rambo, cause yeah, you will. You should my like, shit. Just find a way. To That's get... literally all I have to say. Is just shit. All right, I guess I should play some Rambo. So I'm gonna do that probably a little bit today as well. You should find a way to record that, stream that. Dude, you should do something with you can't you can't keep those thoughts to yourselves, Alex Navarro. The world needs to see. I'll find a way to express them. Okay. Okay. I'll find a way. Uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna play Strider this weekend. That is probably uh, what I am looking to play, and that'll be it. That that does us a show. Uh, we'll see you guys on Monday uh, with Kara Ellison and uh, Alex. I will talk to you then. 
All right.